Content warning. Tone Deaf is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the shows we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. All right, so are you ready for today's show? Yes. Yes, I am. I I, think. I kind of went on a little bit of a dive with this one, trying to find more information about the production (laughs) and, uh, like, the the behind-the-production stuff, because... There is information, but it's not, like, super detailed, like, when we cover older shows. Um, But instead, I found a review from... Well, we'll get into the review that I found (laughs) that kind of made me go, I don't know how I feel about this show now. So, yeah, so uh, for those who did not tune in last week, this week... We are covering Allegiance, which was available on Broadway On Demand. Um, It was available until June 23rd. They had extended the run. Um, Originally, it was only going to be available for like two weeks. And then it was sort of like, well, we need to keep this available. So um, Allegiance is going to be a show that's based on the life of George Takei, who most would remember as Sulu from Star Trek. Oh and, my. Yes, and and that. Um, he's... I love George Takei. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got to uh, meet him at a Star Trek convention, which was really fun. Um, maybe when things are back to normal, we can go do that Star Trek convention again. Hmm. Um, but this was uh, conceived when... Takei and his husband Brad went to an off-Broadway show and found themselves sitting next to Jay Kuo and Lorenzo uh, Tione, I think. Tione? Tione? Oh, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. So they got to talking about how much they loved theater, and then the next day they were seated together again at In the Heights, which is a show that is a Lin-Manuel Miranda show, and I really am sad that the film adaptation of that has been postponed. Stupid Arona. Um, Ruins everything. Yeah, it does. So the song Useless, which is sung by the father uh, in the show, lamenting his inability to provide for his family, struck to K. And during intermission, he ended up telling his the pair that uh, they had met previously all about his own experiences growing up in a Japanese internment camp. Ugh in America during World War II. And this was the catalyst for the musical. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail on some of this stuff because I don't want to spoil anything, but just so that you know, this episode at the start is going to talk about some of the reviews. (laughs) Because this show has some of the most mixed reviews I've ever seen. Really? <laughs> yes. So, 
um, Allegiance is historically significant of a show. To quote Tran Diep in American Theater Magazine, uh, this is the first Broadway musical created by Asian Americans, directed by an Asian American, with a predominantly Asian cast and an Asian American viewpoint informing the work. Wow. Before this, the only shows that you would really have would have been South Pacific, Flower Drum Song, King and I, which are all Rodgers and Hammerstein, Pacific Overtures, which is Sondheim, and Miss Saigon, which is all about Vietnam and is written by a white guy. <laughs> All of those are written by white guys. So this is a big deal. Um, that's why it's historically significant. And one thing that it kind of is mirroring for me is how we talked about in uh, Black History Month, how there were a lot of the early black musicals that were written by black people and formed by, by a black perspective that later on it was sort of a uh, do we really want to perform this, though? <laughs> Which I'm like, it's historically significant. You gotta, it, it, for historical purposes, do that. And looking at the reviews for this, I have a feeling that Allegiance might end up in that category later. Really? Yes, because while it's historically significant, there are some things that they do in it that... um specifically Frank Abe, who's a Japanese documentarian, um, he took some issue with some things, and in delving into it, I'm like, I can see why, because it's the same issue that some of us looking back on, like, in Dahomey, going, would be doing the same thing, so... I'm really, now I'm really, yeah, okay, yeah, so... I'm really curious now. There is going to be stuff that's embellished in this. Ah. Uh. It's, they kind of mix Heart Mountain, which was one of the internment camps, with the worst camp, which was Tool Lake. So they kind of merge those two into this camp, but then they have it taking place in Heart Mountain. Um, and Frank Abe, who worked on the documentary Conscious and Constitution, uh, wrote a really good article called um, Allegiance Uplifts by Doctoring Japanese American History for the Japanese American magazine Nichi Bay. Um, some of the stuff that's going to happen in this did not happen at all. That's... <laughs> and <laughs> could not happen from what he was talking about. And I'm, I'm not going to like read you the whole thing, um, because, again, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but um, he, he does, it, it seems like this may do more harm than good, mm. historically, like, from a perspective of an audience who's not in the know watching it, which I feel would be the same issue with an audience not in the know watching something like in Dahomey. I wonder why Takei chose to go that route, though. Well, he didn't write any of I it. I thought you said he did. I thought he did, too, but no, he just was part of the... Uh, like, I'll get into who, who actually did the writing. He was part of the creation of it, but he didn't actually write any of the book or lyrics. It's just based on his recollections as a kid and then embellished by the writers. When I, I always take 
a bit of issue when you're trying to uh, convey something historically significant and mm-hmm. people embellish too much because mm-hmm. there's a fine line between embellishment and lying. Yeah, and, yeah. And when you're trying to win over hearts and minds, lying is not the best yeah. course of action. And I'll I'll read a little bit of this article. So he says... Uh, The problem with the new musical allegiance is not just historical accuracies, although it is riddled with them. It's the fabrication of events that were impossible within the reality of America's concentration camps. Hmm. And he, uh, like I said, I don't want to spoil plot points, but I agree with him on this one line. This show's makers freely acknowledge that allegiance has as much to do with the camps as Miss Saigon did with the war in Vietnam. The historical events exist only as a backdrop for themes of love and hope. But audiences knew something about the Vietnam War. Audiences with no background must accept this action at face value, unaware that much of it was impossible under the reality of the time. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that that's, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things where, uh, like I said, Takei did not write the show... Like, I, because when I was first getting into this show, I thought he had more of a hand in writing it than he did. It was actually uh, just music and lyrics by J. Quo and the book by Marcosito, uh, J. Quo, and Lorenzo Tion. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I am so sorry. Um, but it's not. It, I, I kind of am like, okay. I know that you had people involved who were, who actually went through it, and I know that it's really, I know that there's a narrative that a lot of folks want to do in shows where they want to bring light to something, but it doesn't help if you're embellishing or if you're mixing things and if you're adding in elements that couldn't happen um a a small amount of embellishment is natural for anything that's entertainment you know it just (laughs) that always happens and i don't think that that is is uh overtly negative in Mm -hmm. and of itself but that's one of those you know it's a gradient you know you you can have minor embellishments that just kind of make certain aspects pop a little bit more Mm -hmm. but if you embellish too much then if you have more embellishments than not then you're lying (laughs) yeah it's kind of like the way that i felt with hidden figures yeah where i was disappointed how how much of that was not true yeah and so it's like it's like yeah we have kick-ass black ladies who are who are human, human computers but like the the good the good job white guy parts yeah, of that movie were like not there's going to be a moment with a relationship between an asian man and a white woman and something's going to happen to the white woman and the asian man's going to be upset at his family for not doing more to mm. protect this white woman and i'm just kind of like like a white woman who's in the concentration camp with them? Like as a nurse. Oh. But, yeah, it's it's something that I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not disappointed by this show because I followed this show when it was being conceived. <laughs> and so, um... Kinky. 
You know, <laughs> the way that some uh, theatrical productions are conceived can be quite beautiful. Turn on a little bit of Barry White. Turn the mood, turn the lights low. Light some candles. Yeah, light some candles. Can't get enough of your musical, baby. Having a lyricist and a composer getting together in a dark room. And what happens between them is just pure love. Sometimes, though, it's passion. It's a little bit messy. Looking at you, Andrew Lloyd Webber, in half of your shows. <laughs> I'm going to put that image into your brain. Sometimes cocaine is involved. <laughs> Sometimes cocaine is involved. Sometimes your uh, composer does dick dingers. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Hoovering schneef. Hoovering schneef. Anyway, that's not the way that this is done. But I just couldn't help but do a conception joke with musicals. I love you. Maybe I'll try and put like some sort of smooth background under there background music underneath. Anyway, um, so the. The first readings of this show were in July of 2009 at the Japanese American National Museum, and it featured George Takei and Leia Salonga, um, and they'll stay with the production with the show all the way to Broadway. Um, the workshop was held in 2011 at the Old Gro- Old Globe Theater in San Diego, and Takei funded the show with an Indiegogo campaign that raised over 158 thousand wow. dollars. The goal was 50k, and this is where, like, I had heard of the show and was like, hell yeah, I'm going to support it. I don't have any way to get out there, but yes. <laughs> um, and the show's official premiere was in September of 2012 at the Old Globe, becoming its best-selling show in history and securing that sweet, sweet Broadway run. Wow. The Broadway run was 37 previews and 111 proper performances from October 2015, with the official opening in November to February of 2016. A film production ran in theaters in 2017, and I believe that's the production we'll be seeing on Broadway On Demand today. As you could guess from the stuff with Frank Abe, the show's reception is mixed, with some critics criticizing the music, saying none of the melodies linger once the curtain has fallen and the lyrics pile on platitude and cliché. That's Alexis Solowski of The Guardian. And others criticizing story elements. The show needs a sharper emotional focus and a musical edge to match its bold subject. That's Anne-Marie Welsh of The LA Times. USA Today says it's as corny as Kansas in August and as obvious as Lady Gaga on a red carpet. Uh, And later going on to say, but if you can make a critic who sneered in the first act leave the theater a little teary-eyed, you're probably doing something right. Deadline said that Allegiance was another significant addition to a Broadway season that offers an alternative take on the American experience. Going on to say validation is hardly the worst crime a show can commit, and I think that's one reason the audience was cheering at the very moving end of the show. It's a triumph of a rare sort, shedding light in a dark corner of our history with uncommon generosity of spirit. So that's a pretty nice review. Then, (laughs) Mark Kennedy of of Associated Press says of the writing, both score and book, 
There are long periods of unrelenting misery with families ripped from their homes and subjected to brutality by vindictive white soldiers. And then there's a song about the joys of baseball that gives way to scenes with dangerous ch choking dust storms, a dead baby, and jail beatings. And then there's a happy sock hop. What's a sock hop? Uh, let's go to the hop, oh baby, let's go to the hop. Oh, baby, come on. Let's go to the hop, like, super white 50s. Sorry, my brain, you were as you were singing that, my brain went, let's all go to the lobby. <laughs> let's all go to the lobby. Would that be a no. version of sock hop? No, uh, sock hop is your, like, super, think a little bit grease. Okay. That's a little bit of sock hop. That's where you get your doo-wop, you get your... Yeah. yeah. You get, uh... That's where you get your doo-nope. Your doo-nope. Um, yeah, sock hop is the early 50s, very sanitized white rock and roll. Um, Vulture states of the writing that too much of the show is devoted to far-fetched plot twists whose attempts to gin up excitement only look silly in the shadow of larger forces at work. So this one's a little bit polarizing, uh, but I've still been dying to see it. So, yeah, and honestly, I've been dying to see it a little bit more so than the next show we're seeing, and I've been dying to see that show, too. Just not spend hundreds of dollars uh, on nosebleed tickets at the Eccles. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or wait in a line for hours. Um, so it did win the 2012 Craig Noel Award for Outstanding Musical, Best Featured Performance by Male, and Best Orchestrations, but it did not win any Tonys. Oh. Yep. So, are you ready to see this possibly polarizing show? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very glad for that intro, that wonderful intro that you did. Thanks. Because... Knowing my dumbass, I probably would have been in there like, wait, what? Well, I would have too, because this isn't something that you really get in, uh, like you get a little bit of it in Utah history in fourth grade, because we had Topaz Mountain. Um, but even then, it's just kind of like, this happened... Look at the keys, look at the keys, look at the keys! Yeah, it's it's the same thing that they like to do in history class, where anything that we've done mm -hmm. as a country that was terrible, we kind of give you the, the cliff notes for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't talk about how horrible it actually was, you know? Yeah, and so with this, I'm just kind of like, because I guess one of the things that he talks about is that, like, there weren't firearms used inside of the gates of the camps. There weren't, uh, like, the... I guess some stuff that goes on, Frank Abe says this wouldn't have happened. Like, it, it wouldn't and couldn't happen because of the way that these things were set up. And so, while they were horrible and dehumanizing, this isn't telling the whole truth. And it makes me want to see his documentary now. Because I'm kind of like, okay, maybe this needs to be paired together with... Because I always have teacher brain going, oh, <laughs> turn this into a unit in a history class. Okay, pair allegiance with uh, consciousness of the Constitution, or is it consciousness of the Constitution? Let me scroll up in my notes. Uh, yeah, consciousness and the Constitution, and, you know, pair them together and have both 
visions of it and go, okay, this is a musical that was done by someone who was going off of an account versus someone else who's a documentarian who is going off of other accounts and doing a little bit more into the deep dive that documentarians have to do and, you know, compare and contrast and write out a three, write out a uh, five paragraph essay about the two. <laughs> I'm glad you don't make me do stuff like that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Worst I'll make you do is a cahoot at the end of Black History mm -hmm. Month every year. <laughs> I'm glad. So, yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, then let's go and watch some Allegiance. Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah! Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu, and our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support of our show. We truly appreciate it. This is King Caruso from the Black History Buff Podcast, and I know you're busy, but before you move on, I've got some questions for you. Do you know who the father of modern medicine is? Did you know that the most famous Russian writer of all time is black? Could you tell me the name of an Ethiopian samurai? Look, look, if you already know that black history is world history and can answer all of those questions, then please, just, just skip this message. If not, then hang on. In a world filled with false flags and fake news, the need for critical thinking has never been higher. And studying history helps us to understand today, avoid repeating the mistakes of the past, think critically and catch governments out in lies. It helps us to forecast the future and it also helps us to solidify our cultural identity. Those are some useful skills to build, right? Being able to see clearly through the noisy, information-based society of today has gone from being a desirable skill to being an essential one. Now, I know what you're thinking. That all sounds amazing, but let's be honest, who's got time to do all that research? And well, that's why you need the Black History Buff podcast. Each week, I bring you a savory slice of history that's gonna challenge, enrich and entertain you. The show will make you think, help you learn something new about your history or the history of a friend or loved one, or at the very least, give you an interesting story to tell the in-laws when the conversation gets dry. So do yourself a favor and click the link or Google Black History Buff Podcast and please come check out the show. All right, you can get back to scrolling now. See you later. Now, the lights are going down and the music starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. Alright babes, so uh, 
I have a feeling I know what you think of it, but what did you think of Allegiance? Um, well, I didn't cry. No, that was me, because of the Curse of the Witch. Uh, <laughs> it was heavy. Um, yeah. It was heavy and sad and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, other, other adjectives that express, uh, sorrow. Yep. 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 Yes, it was. And I'm kind of a little disappointed because, uh, none of the music and none of the songs no. really stuck with me. No, they didn't. I, I felt like as, as, as far as the musical aspect of the musical, it was a little lackluster. Yeah. And it, it's another one of those situations of it's not the fault of anybody performing. Yeah, no, because the they performances were, all, were amazing. Because they were all really good. Uh, it's just none of the songs I thought were particularly yeah. good. I mean, not, not that's the thing is, I don't want it to come across like I'm saying it's bad. It's a bad musical. They weren't memorable. They weren't memorable. None of them stuck with me. I'm not going to be humming anything. No. In fact, I don't think I can get any of the songs stuck in my head at Mm-mm. all. This is a measure for you. I don't have any of the songs in my head. <laughs> yeah. It, uh... I had Mama Gimme Smack on the asshole in my head for weeks. <laughs> Mama give a smack on the asshole. Uh, it, it's, And I feel bad because the story that it tells is a really emotionally powerful story and uh the characters in this show yeah really run the gamut like Mm -hmm. you because a lot of perspectives are yes in this show which I, i i like i like that there's not a clear hero villain dynamic on anything about Mm -hmm. it it's just it's very human in the way that it's presented and everything that comes with that you know Mm -hmm. that people see things differently everybody lives by their own truth you know and people are just trying to do what they can to get by in a dire situation yeah i do definitely agree with frank abe on uh his review of the show though that it in merging the two camps in merging tule lake because i kept mispronouncing it and heart mountain in like having to having heart mountain be closer to tule lake it does leave it open and i was talking with mama k about it too because she watched the musical as well it leaves it open for people who do want to go oh well that's not true oh well that didn't happen it leaves it open for that and that's why you have to be so careful with stuff like this there's a lot to nitpick Yes. Especially if you understand what actually happened mm-hmm. to Japanese Americans who were at these internment camps. Yeah. I don't. I have a very uneducated exactly. white boy opinion about it because I knew that it existed, but I never wanted to learn about it too much because it hurt mm-hmm. and I didn't want to hurt. I and was I just was kind of like, yeah, white people did a really bad thing to these innocent people because they were concerned about them being spies or mm-hmm. this or that. And it's like, it's not Okay. Yeah, and I I only knew a little bit about Topaz Mountain because that's here in Utah. And I knew that there were other quote-unquote relocation centers that uh, were around the whole country, and I knew that George Takei 
was at one of them. And I can't remember which one I said he was at, but he was actually at Thule Lake. And I think that's why they, I guess that's why they put the show at Heart Mountain with his Thule Lake experiences. I'm like, put, if you're going to go off of George Takei's experiences, put it where he was at. Because they were different. <laughs> there, yeah, there are some criticisms to be made because at one, you know, there they, it takes place at Heart Mountain and they use the threat of Thule Lake to like, get the because the, it was because it, it was, was worse where, you know they're they you know they say that it's that it's a labor camp you and know? it was where they did send dissidents yeah. once to Thule Lake and so they use that as kind of the the uh punishment they're like the threat of punishment if you mm -hmm. don't cooperate with us we'll send you to the worst location yeah and so you have the show taking place at two different camps just for part of it mm -hmm. and and it I uh, I'm I'm bothered that uh, I, I do think that just based on what you've told me and kind of what we were watching, that too many creative liberties were taken yes. with the source material, yes. which does uh, I feel which like does it needed another issues. rewrite. I just you could have still told a similarly powerful story, mm -hmm. uh, but made it a little bit more factually accurate because yeah. it's. Yeah, like I, kind of what we're talking about. Like we'll get into a little bit more, and I'm, I'm gonna go off of my, like I said, my overall knowledge about what happened to them is lacking. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to be going off of entirely just what the musical presented. Yeah, and and it, with the way that the musical presents it, you know, for people listening, keep in mind that they did take liberties with this. So mm -hmm. it's not like my mom even was saying she's like. This felt like they were trying to sugarcoat this a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, because Topaz was horrible, and Thule Lake was horrible. Wow. Those were the two worst... I think those were the two wor I know that Thule Lake was one of the worst ones, and was like... It, it was the most controversial out of all of them. And Heart Mountain... Like, they were all supposed to be, quote-unquote, self-sufficient, but they were in these shitty areas that you can't grow shit. But um, Topaz, they were able to grow stuff at Topaz Mountain. Um, not a lot of food, but they were able to sustain themselves. But it's still, like, you had them in super horrible climates, and you had the public latrines. Like, that was real. And the lice-covered blankets and all of that was real, but then there was the difference between all the different areas. And I feel like this would have been... It would have been better had they gone, we have George Takei's experiences, let's have this set at Thule Lake, and to make it even more powerful, perspective of a kid. That, that would have been... That could have... I, <laughs> it, yeah. it would have made white audiences uncomfortable, but... I think kind of needs it. <laughs> I think the reason that they kind of went the route that they did is because mm -hmm. they wanted to show the extent that a lot of the Japanese Americans who enlisted... Yeah. Because they, they... In the course of the show, I don't know how truthful it is, but it sounds 
I would not put it past our government to do oh, that. Oh, that was 100% truthful that they, what they did. That they basically that just put bullshit. them on suicide missions. That was absolute yeah. fucking bullshit prove, that they did that. Prove how much you are loyal to America and we're going yeah. to put you in the more dangerous missions that we... The, the things that our government has done to people of color, especially military-related, makes me very angry. <laughs> I can rant for hours on that. And especially once you return home, what they did to a lot of folks. But that's me coming from a black perspective of like, yeah, they lynched us as soon as we got home. No heroes welcome there. Um, so yeah, it's it's just, it's one of those things that like, the things that they do that are accurate are done well, but then the things that they do that aren't, take you out of it one thing i will say i think the my favorite part of this entire show though i feel like the lighting set design mm -hmm. and music were amazing those are the best parts were amazing mm -hmm. you have parts where they will they'll have uh more traditional japanese music mm -hmm. and scenery and stuff like that it's really really well done yeah the tricks that they do with lighting and the backgrounds because the way that they have backgrounds set up is that it's like um I can't remember what the name of it is in uh, Japanese culture where they have like the sliding the doors, panels, the yeah. panels. So they have the sets kind of like that with these panels, and they're able to slide the panels to create different sets rather mm -hmm. quickly, and it was really well done. Yeah. Um, but the, but they also have the lighting that they're kind of projecting on these panels to create mm -hmm. different types of backgrounds. Yeah. And the combination of the lighting and the sets and the music was just really really good mm -hmm. and. Especially the way that they were able to uh, incorporate multiple scenes that took place, you know, in different parts of the country or even different yeah. parts of the world yeah. with the different panels and the different lighting, but still having these events going on. Mm -hmm. It's it visually, it was very, very impressive. It was yes. quite the spectacle. Uh, I just wish that the songs were stronger mm -hmm. you know at least i that was the thing is i like i had mentioned before i really didn't care for the songs the yeah. music was good like the music sounded nice but the the songs and the lyrics i didn't find to be uh catchy or engaging and like yeah. i said i i don't think i could really sing anything any the hum anything first act finale reminded me of les mis a little bit with one day more and it, it's something that I was like, wow, I forgot that for a period of time in musical theater, there have been people trying to emulate One Day More, <laughs> which is emulating um, the first act finale of West Side Story. Oh, is it? Okay. It is. It kind of is. And like One Day More is just a little bit more extravagant and hopeful, whereas the... Uh, uh, and I don't know why I forgot the name of the first act finale of West Side Story, but that is a little bit more like tension building so that once uh, once Riff and Bernardo get killed, it just sort of kind of takes all the air out of it and makes you go, ooh. Mm. Whereas One Day More and in this Resist are very much like, yeah, we're going to fight. Power to the people! Yeah! Which, yeah. That's another thing that the uh, historian took issue with, was the Heart Mountain Fair Play Committee that springs up later in the show that's the resistors, because he's like, that's not how it happened. 
Yeah, I my my knowledge, like I said, my knowledge mm-hmm. of the of the, yeah. of the atrocity is not yeah what it should be. Uh, okay, let's start. So, uh, you had mentioned before, I think in the beginning, that we thought this was the 2012 production. Yeah, it's, it's the 2016 production. Yes, as they they list it at the beginning. They say, oh, you know, this location, this year, da da da. So mm-hmm. we got that. So this was done in 2016, um, and I will say. <laughs> I forgot what a good actor George Takei is. Right? He was such a joy in this. Mm -hmm. George Takei plays uh, two people in this. He plays the grandfather, and he also plays the older version of the main character. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's it's great to watch him play those two different characters, because they're very different. Yeah. And he does a great job. He just... Okay. So... Curtain up, and we see George Takai. I mean, Sam Kimura, wearing his army uniform and curmudgeonly exclaiming that it still fits. When the door buzzes, and a woman informs Sam that his sister, Kay, not, no relation, <laughs> that his sister, Kay, K E I, and like, every, not just K. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, because uh, he goes by Sam, but his, I think his, his name is Samu. Osamu. Osamu, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, they all have Americanized versions of their Japanese names, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what K's name is. I think it was Keiko, maybe? That might, that might be right. Keiko. Yeah. But so, anyway, so you got that. Uh, his, that his sister, K, has passed, uh, has passed away, and she left him an envelope. Sam is like, I haven't seen my sister in 50 years. I don't want anything from her. The woman goes to walk away, and Sam says, what's in the envelope? I don't know, the woman replies and hands the envelope to Sam. The woman tells Sam that his sister's service is at 3 p.m. up on Knob Hill and walks away. Kay's ghost, again, not you're, you're alive. <laughs> Kay's ghost seems to be haunting Sam as the two have a brief argument in which Sam is like, you finally have peace. Couldn't you leave me alone? And maybe, and the maybe ghost is like, there's still a chance for forgiveness, Sam. Sam sees the silhouette of his younger, of his younger self, and he's like, I'm not that kid anymore. And the scene changes to young Sam, who is back from college and excited to see his big sister. Sam's father is like, good, you're back. You can help on the farm until you go to law school. Mm-hmm. So like the way that, the way that they, um, this entire show is done from the perspective of a flashback. Yeah. So, like, older Sam is, like, wearing his army uniform and, like, and just kind of has a trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm. And when he finds out that his sister's dead, you see her actress in the back, kind of in this shadow thing. And I don't... I don't know what the fuck is going on with old Sam. Is he not right in the head? Because he has a full-on conversation with... I don't His know. His sister who's not there. Like I said, it's, this could have done with another rewrite. <laughs> if you're taking it just in the universe that the musical is taking place in, Sam has a few screws loose. Mm-hmm. Because he's having... It's not like he's remembering things his sister has said to him or anything like that. He is having full-on fucking conversations with people who are not there. It reminds <laughs> me of Sunday in the Park with George at the end. That is an excellent comparison. Mm-hmm. That is an excellent comparison. It's mm-hmm. it's quite similar to that. <laughs> oh my god, this show is just an amalgamation of different shows. Maybe, I mean... <laughs> Art imitates art. People draw inspiration from multiple things. Yeah. Who knows? It's just like where I can pinpoint specific scenes uh, and specific Inspirations shows. that, 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 that uh, 
informed that how that scene yes. developed kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we do the flashback to Sam. He's just come home from graduating college. Mm-hmm. And uh, his father... And everybody had... Well, I should say, the father and grandfather have Japanese accents, and there's lots of Japanese accents. To not be offensive, I am not going to do any Japanese accents. Thank you accents. for not doing any Japanese accents that they do. <laughs> so... Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, and I want to... And not because... Uh, I kind of want to, but I won't. Just because I mimic, and that's just... Yeah, you... you. Uh, it would not come from a place you of... You have a little bit of echolalia like I do, so... <laughs> yes. It would, it would come from a place of just trying to represent what I watched and recreate mm-hmm. it. It would not come from a place of trying to be a racist asshole, mm-hmm. but I think that's how it would be yes. received. So I am glad that so you are I tamping just... down the echolalia for us. And I didn't know that there was a word for it, so yeah. thank you, Kay. Yep. yep. I, I, I'm I, on the spectrum, so I do that. You have watched that. I do it too. Maybe, <laughs> oh shit, maybe I'm on the spectrum. Okay. Um. So yeah, Sammy's back from law school. Uh, sorry, he's back from college, and uh, his father's like, "Good, you're back. You can help on the farm until you go to law school." And his he sees his father talking to a neighbor who's like, "Yeah, I'll take ten bushels of artichokes," you know. Mm-hmm. And as soon as his father sees his son, he just hands him the bushel and he goes, "Go get ten bushels of artichokes," you know. Mm-hmm. I kind of did it a little bit there. Shit. Uh, Sam and Kay have their catching up moment and then start to get ready for some festival, which I'm not sure what it is but it's about wishes mm-hmm. sam and they're like tying wishes to a tree or something yeah, like on that a wishing tree on a wishing tree and sam says he wishes for a little house by the ocean for his sister something you know remote and personal that she can make her own because i guess mm-hmm. she she just likes to have time to herself mm-hmm. she does mention later that she's a stay at home with a good book kind of gal yeah and she basically raised sammy that you know we will get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kay wishes for a great for great journeys and adventures for her brother until he misses home. So it's like she knows that her brother is uh, much more extroverted and wants to go mm-hmm. out and see things and do stuff. So I like that her wish was I want him to have all these grand adventures until he's done adventuring and ready to come s- home come home and settle down basically. Yeah. So I thought that was that was actually quite sweet. Uh, they reminisce about their mother, who by context clues is dead. And has been for some time. Mm-hmm. Their mother was the heartbeat of every gathering, and it seems like her death is probably why their father is such a hard ass now. <laughs> After the festival, Sam's father, and that that festival scene was really nice. Like they I were, liked that the, scene. The dancing and choreography—that's another thing I forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. The dancing and choreography in this is really good. Yeah, um, I know they're completely different cultures, but I did have some uh, some uh, remember remembrance of flower drum song mm-hmm. the revival version yeah and uh i mean the cultures are different but they do have some overlap so i don't yeah. think it's it's racist for me to be saying I mean, it's, that. it's kind of like you'll have overlaps of european cultures and you'll have overlaps yeah. of african it, cultures too yeah so it's it's it makes sense for there to be an overlap because of proximity yeah and so i i did really like the choreography mm-hmm. and dancing in that and that festival scene they have you know people are in kimonos and stuff and and just having a good time it's a party you know Mm -hmm. very much a a japanese culture event and it just seems like everybody in california or wherever they're living yeah it's california yeah it's california um is there after the festival sam's father is like did you get a letter from law school and sam hands his father the letter his father uh reads it eagerly eagerly but is quickly disappointed and hands it back saying 
Perhaps I expected too much from you. Sam is like, maybe I'm not cut out for law school. Kay was always the A student. A minus, father and sister say in unison. <laughs> the father scolds his son, saying that he grew this ground from nothing so that his children could have a better life here, in America. And he tells his son he will study twice as hard and reapply for law school again. We hear the sounds of planes and bombs, and we hear Roosevelt's speech about Japan attacking Pearl Harbor. And again, this is basically right after he tells his son, you're going to study twice as hard for law school. Like, they're... Yeah. And then, uh, it's, it's interesting how they do some scene transitions in this, because... Because, like, when his father was scolding his son, it just seemed like they were just at the farm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you see the, the set darken, and you hear the planes, and, and then all of a sudden, they're just at home like mm -hmm. hearing the attack on pearl harbor mm -hmm. so like the way that it transitions on some stuff is kind the of transitions odd. were clunky it, it well and like the the not the stage crew transitions those were fine but like the written in transitions it would be like the tonal shifts were a little bit too quick and yeah you can't it, it's it, it's too jarring to do that yeah. I think that, like I keep saying, this needed another <laughs> rewrite. Yeah, I think a, 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 in a few years, maybe a revival would be... Mm -hmm. A revival might be a good idea for this. Okay, so we hear the sounds of planes and bombs, and uh, we hear Roosevelt's speech about Japan attacking Pearl Harbor. The family is around the kitchen table, suddenly, talking about how this is going to be very bad for all Japanese people in America. Sam is like, we need to put up our American flag so people know that we are patriots. But his father is like, do, uh, do, not, do nothing to draw attention to us. We then get a song about not fighting the storm, and we see a representative from the Japanese American Citizen League, which, uh, so the J-A-C-L, I will refer to it as Jackal, because that's going to help. The Jackal says... <laughs> They will do everything they can to fight for the rights of Americans of Japanese descent. The song goes on and we see the Jackal's argument devolve to, we will put ourselves in cages to show our patriotism. Mm -hmm. uh, this scene, a lot happens in this scene mm -hmm. when they say the, the, the don't fight the storm kind of thing because, you know, they're around the, the radio listening to what's going on. There's arguments in the family because Sammy the son is like, no, we, we, need to, we need to draw attention to ourselves and say, hey, 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 we are Americans. We are patriots. We mm -hmm. are not part of, you know, mm -hmm. the Japanese empire. And his father uh, makes a comment about, I think it was World War One. there was a German shopkeeper who yep. was assaulted and had his store burned down. Yep. And so he's like, just seeing that happening to them because of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, you know, do not draw attention to us. Do not do anything. We are going to keep our heads down. We are going to, mm -hmm. you know, just that's kind of what he wants to do. And... And there would be no way to win in yeah, this situation. There would be no way. I side, I don't know, I side a little bit more with Sammy mm -hmm. in terms of if I was in that situation, that's what I'd probably try to do. But at the same time, we do see in the show that when he does that, just pretty much every white American is like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Like, mm -hmm. they're still not. Yeah. It's, it's falling on deaf ears. Yeah. Especially because Sammy talks about, oh, you know, I want to enlist. I want to enlist. I will show my patriotism. I will join the army. Mm -hmm. I will help fight. And they're like, no, you can't join. Yeah. Kind of thing. Because you're, you're Japanese, you know, mm -hmm. that garbage. Um, and then when we see the uh, 
Japanese uh, American Citizens League guy. I don't remember what his name is, but he was a real person. Yes, he was. Uh, his name was, was like uh, yeah. Was... Do, do, do. I want to say his first name was Mike. Uh, Mike Masaoka. Masaoka. Mm-hmm. So I it, there's I missed a lot of names in this because like I don't have a name for the father. I don't have a name for the grandfather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't didn't have a name for Mike. He's yeah. just the J-A-C-L guy in all my notes. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm with it enough, I will try to refer to him as Mike, but he might just be Jackal, because <laughs> I was not a huge fan of him, personally. Like, I know that he... Yeah. I know that he was doing what he could, but at the same time, the misinformation uh, presented by him mm-hmm. could not have been good. Yeah. Could not have been good. Yeah, uh, and I... That's why I really want to see this Conscience and the Constitution documentary by Frank Abe, because that makes me go, okay, I want to know, because his you documentary, know more of the truth. yeah, his documentary, I guess, was about Frank Emmy, who was a real person who ran the resistance, and Mike Masaoka, and their two different sides. And Frank Emmy was at Heart Mountain, so he's a real person as well. So Frankie that we yes, meet later. Frankie that we meet later is a real person. Okay. But they change him a bit to dramatize things and make things They kinda make him less significant than it sounds like yeah. he actually was. Yeah, and they they make I I agree with a lot of what Frank Abe says where it's like uh, to make the conflict that happens in this happen, they had to take so many liberties with it. I've, it kind of makes me think that we're running in the same situation we had with... Uh, with friggin' Evita. With Evita. Where it's like, we're, if you're doing something based on yeah, history... talking about the musical, <laughs> but the problem with the musical is that it takes a lot mm-hmm. of liberties with history. Yeah. And you don't want to misrepresent people who actually existed based on their fictional actions mm-hmm. and fictional words that were in a musical. And I think that's why Ragtime did a better job, is because they didn't try to frame too much around something that actually happened. That's fair. It was a little bit more intimate. Yes. Well, actually, not a little bit. It was a lot more intimate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whereas it, this has a large, much larger scope. Mm-hmm. Um, it do, It's not focusing on just one group of people. It's focusing on a large group of people, mm-hmm. you know, in this whole camp. Because it takes, it, like, as we say that Sammy is the main character, he kind of isn't, but he is. Because, like, I had a hard time figuring out who I was supposed to be focusing on because of the I want songs from some of the characters and stuff that yeah. I was like wait am I supposed to be focusing on Kay or no am I supposed to be focusing <laughs> on Frankie am I supposed to, who am I what is who interesting is my yeah. audience surrogate <laughs> part of that is I think they're trying to show all the different viewpoints yeah. of the people who were going through this mm-hmm. um, but in the context of the musical it is a little disjointed because we open it up with old Sammy mm-hmm. who's then reliving his experiences in World War II in this concentration camp but yeah. it follows a lot of other people too. So at the same time, it's like, how the fuck did Sammy know what his sister was doing? Exactly. <laughs> so... Exactly. And that's the problem with this. <laughs> if they would have, like, that's where I sit here and go, you know, I would have probably enjoyed it more. It, like, the story is 
okay in this. But if the story had, like, been truly autobiographical on George Takei, we would have had one single point to focus on who's a child living through this, and then you can see, because children have a little bit more of a broader scope that they're seeing because people will say things in front of children that we retain later in life and things will happen in front of kids that they're constantly taking in information and that's why kids are such a good audience surrogate ah it just it bothers me when you don't have an audience surrogate in a show sometimes yeah so that that's where some of the criticism does come in mm-hmm. the, the the disjointed vibe that you get from the show yeah okay <laughs> anyway back to the anyway summary. <laughs> father's farm oh jesus that's right so so we were, we were talking about jackal and how his argument was you know i will do everything that i possibly can to for, to protect the rights of Japanese-American citizens, and then it goes into... Now our, you're going in cages. Yeah, our contribution to the war effort will be to put ourselves in prison to mm-hmm. show that we're loyal, and I... It's such a, it's such a fucked up thing to happen. Yeah. Um, Father's Farm and all their belongings get sold for next to nothing because they have no choice, and are being forcibly ro- relocated to Heart Mountain. This scene really sucks because the guy that was buying artichokes from the father uh, at the beginning, like when mm-hmm. Sam first came home from college. You know, he's then like, oh, I'll take all this, da, 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 I'll give you two grand for it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, but this is e- easily worth $20,000, like all of this stuff. And he's like, well, well you take it or leave it, kind of thing. He's like, we've we've been neighbors for 20 years. Like, I've, mm-hmm. like, come on. And the guy's like, do you want it or not? Like, the guy... Mm-hmm. I, I was like, wow, you mm-hmm. fucking asshole. Like, mm-hmm. he just he just took advantage of this horrible situation. And it doesn't, there was no kinship. There was no uh, neighborly love at yeah. all. You know, and you see his, re, you see this neighbor's interaction with the family. And it's like, he's a family friend. Mm-hmm. Like, and then shit hits the fan. And he's like, oh, you Jap. Like, yeah. he's just yeah. shitty. Yeah, it's it's something that, unfortunately, as minorities, we sometimes run into when shit hits the fan. You find, I mean, you find, out who, you've seen, you find out who your real friends are, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, as you've seen with me, with half of my family, it's like, oh, or I guess a quarter of my family. Uh, it's like, oh, you're... Uh, I see what you really think. Yeah, I see what you really think of me. Great. Just, yeah. Okay, so... Father gets cheated out of all of his stuff because he has no choice. Mm-hmm. The family arrives fresh off the train and are told to split up. Men on the right, women on the left, or it might have been switched, I don't remember. They're told to strip down to their underwear for medical examination. Mm-hmm. And a Japanese woman starts yelling in Japanese and sobbing, and Sam tries to explain that these women can't undress in front of everyone and gets told to shut up and is shoved to the ground by a soldier at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. The nurse reiterates to the prisoners to strip down and prepare for examination. Mm-hmm. And it's like when they're getting on the train, it's really messed up. Like there's a woman with a baby and she's got a carriage and the guy says, you can't take the carriage, just mm-hmm. uh, baggage only kind of yeah. thing. So she's got to carry the baby and like, it's just, uh, it's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's fucked up. Everyone is in their uh, new houses, Mm -hmm. and it's super shitty and dirty. People are like, where are the bathrooms? Where do we go to get food? And they get explained that there are community toilets, and Mm -hmm. just... 
yeah, some people start to break down saying that they can't do this and that they want to go home. Mm-hmm. Kay starts to sing, we will carry on, and all the prisoners are like, we will endure, we will carry on. Yeah. Like the, uh, the son is getting upset and stuff, and the grandfather is telling him, uh, we will endure. He's like saying, basically he's like telling him, man up, like, mm-hmm. we will, we will get through this. We will, da da da, be yeah. strong. And that's kind of when they go into their, yeah, shit sucks, but, you know, we'll band together, we'll mm-hmm. get through this, you know. Yeah. That's their, their, their empowerment song. <laughs> the song ends and people start going about their business. Sam puts up a pole, and his grandfather wants to hang up wind chimes, but private first-class asshole is like, What's that? Take it down! Sam is able to let the guard... uh, Sam is able to get the guard to piss off when he's like, How about we hang up this flag? American, of course. With your permission, of course, sir. The guard is like, Now we're talking! And walks off. Mm -hmm. Sam's father chews him out for drawing attention to them and for not knowing his place. Sam is like, my place is in the army. I'll go nuts doing nothing. His father is like, then be useful. I'm trying, replies Sam. Uh, But his father is like, no, you're trying to be a big man and you're going to get us all in more trouble. Sam stomps off saying that he needs some fresh air. And Grandfather hangs up the wind chimes saying that it looks like America, sounds like Japan. And I... God damn it. George Takei is so good in this. I love him. He, I, re- I really like the act. That's the thing. I really like the actors. The actors mm-hmm. all do a really, really, really good mm-hmm. job. And I feel bad that I didn't like the show more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, spe- like I'm sitting here like, I love Leia Salonga uh-huh. and she's amazing in this. Yep. And I had a crush on her ever since she was the voice of Jasmine and the voice of Mulan. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mutual crush there. Yeah. Uh, the the actor who plays Sammy did a really good job as well. But I, I don't know. George George Takei as the grandfather was so he great. stole the show. He was so great. Mm-hmm. All of his stuff, and of course, he's got a very very heavy Japanese accent, and he's mm-hmm. talking, and and he's just, yeah, he's so great. Um, Sam goes into his song about what makes a man is his dignity and what he will fight for. During the song, Private First Class Asshole confiscates the flag and the wind chimes, shooting a dirty look at the grandfather. Sam's song ends and we see grandfather and Kay in their room and a man that was nice to Kay earlier comes in. So there's a thing I forgot to mention is uh, when they first get off the train, uh, Kay is like, oh, you know, can we get some water for my grandfather? Asking mm-hmm. the guard, and the guard's like, women on the left, men on the right, just holding his rifle, being a dick. And this guy comes up, and he's like, hey, I have some water, you know, for your grandfather. Gives her a canteen. She's like, yeah. oh, thank you, you know. And and they go their separate ways and stuff. And, and he's... I will read this thing that uh, he talks about with uh, regards to the opening scenes in the, or not opening, but the first scenes in the camp. He says that uh, camp was degrading and this is Abe again. Camp was degrading and dehumanizing, but this is fantasy that stirs emotion at the expense of fact. The processing of new arrivals is staged to evoke the ghoulish selection process of Nazi gas, ta- gas chambers. Camp white loudspeakers were a feature of MASH, not Heart Mountain. Incarcerees only had to roll up their sleeves to receive inoculations after arrival. The curfew existed on the West Coast before eviction, not after remo- after removal to camp. Where would you go? I yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like... You still could have done that. Yeah, you could have like, done that and kept it 
accurate you, so that you still could have had the the degrading and mm -hmm. humili and uh, dehumanizing aspect of it without taking so many liberties that you're mm -hmm. lying yeah especially when you're dealing with material this heavy and mm -hmm. historically important yeah and material that because you know that some white supremacist asshole uh... would pick this apart to say that none of it happened instead of i could see that parts of it because i see that so much with black stuff where if we have just one thing wrong it invalidates it, it invalidates the whole damn yep. thing that's that's the and that's <laughs> the, i think that's why i get angry and hold shows like this to such a high standard with fact because i'm like no if you get one thing wrong I, I mean, I've been getting in arguments with people lately about slavery. <laughs> okay, it wasn't that bad. Come on. They got a free trip to America. Just because Roots got one thing wrong, suddenly that makes everything yeah, wrong. And suddenly I'm like, that, fuck you. Suddenly every single master was a great guy. Exactly. And... So I'm like, oh, hell no. You've yeah. got to hold this to a high standard. Anyway, that's my soapbox on <laughs> why this should have been more... They should have consulted, like... They should have made sure as they were doing this that they kept consulting <laughs> as they were writing. Yeah, I, I feel like they need to have, they. what would have been really good is to have a historian on the writing mm -hmm. staff, or at least somebody who was reading it. Hire a dramaturge. Dramaturge? <laughs> They're the people who kind of keep things historically accurate. Ah. And, like, they provide the context for actors, and they're they're one of the most important people that you can have on a period show. Agreed. One of the most important people. Agreed. Okay. <laughs> so, Samsung ends, and we see Grandfather and Kay in their room. Mm-hmm. And the man from earlier with the canteen uh, comes in, and Grandfather is playing with a deck of cards and tries to do a magic trick, but fails. Like, he fans out the cards, has the guy pick one, shuffles mm -hmm. it back, and he's like, Aha! This is your card! And he's like, Nope! Mm -hmm. Kind of thing, and... So, uh, but, so Grandpa fails with his magic trick. The man is trying to tell Kay, uh, sorry, the man is talking to Kay and introduces himself as Frankie. We learned that... Originally, he was odd. Yeah, when they, when they first meet, he said, oh, you're even, I'm odd, like mm -hmm. numbers, you know, kind of thing. And she calls him Mr. Odd mm -hmm. or something like that. And he goes, it's Frankie. And yeah, anyway, we learned that Frankie was going to law school before he before being relocated and that his family had a Japanese language class and were arrested the day after Pearl Harbor. Kay invites Frankie to have supper with them, and Grandfather tries to pull off his magic trick again by pulling out a different card, being like, uh -huh. And Frankie's like, yeah! And then Grandpa's super excited, and he looks at Kay, and he's like, no. Yeah. Uh, so Grandpa fails his magic trick again, although Frankie humors the old man and is like, yep, that's my card. And Grandfather leaves thinking that he pulled off his magic trick as they're kind of all going to supper together. Mm -hmm. Sam goes to the nurse to get some medicine for his grandfather who has a cough, and he sees Private Asshole getting cough syrup from the nurse and being a creeper, creepy creep with, uh, with the nurse. Mm -hmm. Just because, like... He's coughing or whatever, and the woman's like, oh, you'll get used to the dust. I'm from Nebraska. Dust is a food group there. Yeah. Kind of thing. And she goes, here, you know, take this. And, and the soldier's like, don't you want to listen to my chest? And mm -hmm. she's like, uh, no. Uh, Which, you're, you're relieved. The private. dust is one of the things that is... Because everybody that was relocated 
uh, or not everybody, but a lot of them that were relocated, the vast majority came from like San Francisco and stuff, which is more humid. You take someone who's used to a humid climate and move them to a dry climate, they're not going to acclimate as well. And so that's part of where the choking on dust, it's like, yeah, your lungs aren't used to this. So yeah, the coughing. That, that is an accuracy, right? <laughs> I did not even think about that. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. Um, I, I looked that up as more historical. I'm dramaturging you is what I'm doing. <laughs> the nurse dismisses the soldier and Sam is like, hey, my grandfather is sick. Can I get some medicine? And the nurse is like, nope, only for soldiers. Which, was that a thing? Like, are you... You can't put people, you can't relocate people and not, like, have shit for them. You're just putting them in a pen to die. Yeah, and I am not sure. (sighs) Okay, anyway. Nope, just for soldiers. Sam tries to say that he wanted to enlist, but they wouldn't let him because he's Japanese. So he's basically a would-have-been soldier, so can he please have some medicine? The two have a song, and Sam eventually wears down the nurse, who will, uh, who we learn is named Hannah. And uh, she does give him some cough syrup, saying, don't tell anybody you got this from me, and leave. And Sam leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where we get the... These scenes are back-to-back, where Frankie is talking to Kay, and Sam is talking to Hannah. So you see the these are going to be the two uh, relationship groups that we mm-hmm. see. And so you kind of get the, the first real interactions where, like, when Frankie and Kay first meet each other, it's like, oh, you're nice. You know, mm-hmm. hey, you want to have food with us? And then yeah. Sam meets Hannah, and it's a little bit of a conflict because mm-hmm. the nurse has the song about, oh, they said that the Japanese are quiet and reserved, and they won't make a fuss, you know. And mm-hmm. and uh, Sam's like, I got to figure out a way to get in, you know, to, to get what I need. And yeah. The scene changes to the to Mike, the jackal guy, who is telling a dude in Washington that people are still being held prisoner and uh, what are the politicians doing to fix it. The guy makes him read a bullshit statement saying that all the Japanese have a clean place to live and they're totally not prisoners and that they're doing all sorts of fun stuff. He's saying like they're engaging in the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and having these fun Americani- Americanizing activities mm-hmm. and stuff like that, just flat out lying yeah. about the state of of the people being in these internment camps. Like, sure, they were allowed to enter in crops to state fairs, like at Millard County State Fair here in Utah. Whoop-de-fucking-do. But whoop-de-fucking-do, they're in a fucking camp. Whoop-de-fucking-do. I, I just, uh... <laughs> yeah, seriously. They're fucking human beings. <laughs> After the total bullshit speech, the jackal guy is on the call with his brother, who is being held at a horse track with 10,000 other people, and that their mother is sleeping in a horse stall. The jackal guy is like, I think I might be able to get us both enlisted in the army. What will that do, replies his brother. It will show that we're loyal, like any other American. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. And he does say about Mike Masaoka that this is the thing that the show gets right. Is, um, he originally in the 2012 tryout, I guess he had a song and dance number that Hmm. was uh, Better Americans in Greater America, and it's gone now. Um, He was no longer a caricature, and they basically use his own words. And uh, to quote Abe, uh, by using his actual words, more or less, we begin to see the false distinctions between loyal and disloyal that the wartime government forced upon Japanese America with help from JACL, and which we then internalized among ourselves. He does say, though... 
The show, however, does not pursue this more interesting idea. Actor Greg Watanabe did his homework and captures Masaoka's earnest surrender of civil rights with gravitas and flashes of stubborn defiance. Well put. Mm-hmm. And I, I give I give Jackal Guy a hard time in mm-hmm. this, but it's... And I, I know that people do the best that they can in these really hard situations, and he yeah. has a speech later at the end that we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, where he kind of is defending his actions. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things that's like, put in those... In that situation, who knows how any of us would mm-hmm. behave. You know, it's easy to talk a big game like, oh, I would oppose, I would resist. But mm-hmm. when you're concerned for the well-being of your family and mm-hmm. other stuff, it's like people will compromise their values. The scene changes to the prisoners at Heart Mountain, and they're all airing their grievances to one another about the poor living conditions. Sam is creating a petition to notify the military of all the horrible shit going on, like tainted water, mattresses filled with fleas, and Mm -hmm. other horrible shit. He tells everyone that they will have to appear united, otherwise they won't get anywhere. And they all start to sing and dance about all the different ways to make this place better. Like, oh, you know... Uh, but just basically they're just talking about everything that they want to make this place feel more like a home. Yeah. You know, things that they miss from, mm-hmm. you know, because one woman, she's like, oh, I, I want a garden because I used to grow so many flowers, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so they're singing about all the things they want that would make this place better, including baseball. And that goes nowhere. <sighs> I just, <laughs> this, this scene, <laughs> I, I think out of all the, uh, songs mm-hmm. this one was my least favorite because mm-hmm. it starts out not bad but then they just go into baseball and it's obsessed about baseball for like the latter half of the song and the whole time i'm going okay so is that going to be a thing that they do to sort of subtly resist nope they never talk about <sighs> baseball again <laughs> the song ends and we see nurse hannah approaching the prisoners Sammy makes eyes with her, and Kay is like, I disapprove. And Sammy is like, yeah, well, I disapprove of you and that Frankie guy. And mm-hmm. the siblings sort of give each other grief about that. Because mm-hmm. Sammy doesn't like... They don't have any contention yet. Mm-hmm. I think that Sammy just doesn't like Kay because he's protective of his... Or doesn't like Frankie because he's protective of his sister. Yeah. Which, as a brother, totally get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally get that. It's yeah. just... just defensive just because you care about somebody else and you're like who is this person mm-hmm. uh so i who get the that hell are you exactly. get away <laughs> and uh yeah uh so we cut to sammy helping nurse hannah trying to treat people with her lack of supplies and sammy is like i'll go check and see if the supply trucks are here and runs off he comes back shortly later uh with like two tiny boxes of medical supplies saying this is all that they had and private first-class ass-face is like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And Hannah tries to explain to him that the sol- to explain to the soldier that Sammy is helping her. And the soldier is like, "Sammy, huh? It's a good thing you're a nurse, cause you have yellow fever." Sammy is like, "Hey, dude, chill." And the soldier pulls a gun on him. Hannah talks down the soldier, who stomps off. Every. And- that's another thing. They wouldn't have had guns, according to Frank Ave. Yeah, which, not inside yeah, the Yeah, not inside perimeter. the perimeter. And in fact, they weren't... It, he says that they weren't patrolling anywhere near the perimeter. Like, they were... You would have their area, the guard area, then, like, several hundred feet, barbed wire, then the camp. So... The watchtowers are just past the barbed wire. They weren't going in, according to Abe. Um... 
which who he did his research. Yeah, he and did. His, yeah. He's so, a historian. So I will. I will. I will. Agree I will with default him on, on the historian. Yeah, seriously. Rather than the people going, oh, this is like Miss Saigon, which <laughs> that's uh, not that's not a compliment. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so Soldier Boy stomps off after Hannah talks him down after he pulls a gun on Sammy. Mm -hmm. Everyone disbands from the nurse's office, and Hannah sings about how she's doing her best to follow the rules, even if they're stupid-ass rules that she can't elect to ignore. Mm -hmm. Uh, because basically, she has limited supplies, and they're talking about, like, you can't even get us aspirin. Like, you're the mm -hmm. nurse, you're supposed to be here to help us, but you are useless, you know, you can barely do anything. She's, like, you know, one of the things, like, one of the guys sick, and she's saying, oh, t he needs to drink water, and they're like, the water's tainted! She's yeah. like, I know, I've, I've submitted a report, and mm -hmm. stuff like this, and so I feel bad for the nurse, because she's doing her best to help these people. Yeah. And she's just not given supplies or resources, or even listened to, mm -hmm. more or less, because the military is treating these people like they're not people yep like they're enemies you mm -hmm. know uh we then see the jackal guy being like motherfucker i've submitted this same paper three times people in these camps need resources and the politician douche douchebag is like who doesn't there's a war on exclaims the political ass clown then they then let us serve is you know what mike says give us our segregated unit like the black soldiers send us to dangerous missions whatever it takes to change the government's perspective of us mm -hmm. the politician guy is like yeah how do we separate the loyal ones from the troublemakers we'll find a way says mike oh and uh, by the way there is a funeral going on in the background of this scene mm -hmm. uh, because the woman who has the baby that went mm -hmm. to the camp the baby fucking died because mm -hmm. they couldn't get medicine for the baby. Yep. And so while he, well, Mike Jackal is talking to the politician, uh, we just see this funeral procession in the back and it's really sad and somber and they're carrying this tiny box mm -hmm. holding the dead baby mm -hmm. and crying over it and it's just like, fuck. Mm -hmm. <sighs> back at Heart Mountain... The prisoners are being required to fill out a questionnaire with such questions like, have you ever committed a crime? Would you enlist in the armed forces? Would you swear loyalty to America? And that is true. Mm. That is a true questionnaire that happened. Yeah, and then that one, they say, would you swear loyalty to America and disavow any and all relation with the Emperor of Japan or the Empire mm -hmm. of Japan, basically just that kind of stuff. And it's... It's really fucked up, and uh -huh. I hate the fact that I will say that I can see a little bit of the perspective mm -hmm. of just being like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 fucked up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people are split on the questionnaire because, I mean, obvious reasons. They locked them up, destroyed their lives, treated them like animals, mm -hmm. then asked them, asked them to swear loyalty. Sammy's father is pissed and sings about how they took their lives from them, but they can't take his honor. And Sammy is like, I would rather fight than be here. Mm -hmm. The scene goes to some of the other prisoners talking about how the questionnaire is bullshit and that they heard if you don't answer right, they'll send you to a hard labor camp instead. Frankie mm -hmm. is walking by and they're like, hey, Frankie, how are you handling this questionnaire? Frankie is like, want to find out? Come to the dance that apparently we're throwing in this toilet bowl. So yeah. they just, I know that they talked about in the in the, the baseball song yeah. area about like things to do to, to make this place better. And they're like, oh, we could have a dance. 
but they never like settle on yeah let's do a dance Mm -hmm. they're just throwing out things that they could do and then all of a sudden there's a fucking dance going on and they're like hey come to the shindig it's because they can't pick how they're going to portray stuff in history with this because the two writers were not historians and were not people who experienced this and i guess george takei looking through this article also worked on the documentary like he did not have anything to do with writing for this musical but he did help with with you know, the conscience and the constitution. They probably sh- they probably could have done with asking him a few fucking questions and mm-hmm. taking his his mm-hmm. uh, input. But who knows? He was also a little kid, so yeah. Anyways. And when you're a kid, it is very different. And then you kind of have to go by the stories that to contextualize memories that you have. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't necessarily understand all of what's going on because you're yes. a fucking kid. Yes. And okay. So <laughs> I I just I sit here and I'm like meh. Yeah. They needed a dramaturge. They, yeah, they, they probably did. We then see the nurse in her uh, office listening to the radio, which is playing a, a slow dance song. She starts to dance with the IV stand, and Sammy is like, your dance partner is a little stiff. <laughs> Can I say that the singer's voice uh, over the radio kind of drove me nuts? Because he had a very pop sound to his voice that would not have happened in a singing voice from the 40s and it took me out for a minute there and people <laughs> listening for the first time can see which one of us is musically challenged because that did not even fucking register with me because because later they actually do have the group of men singing over the radio like a trio and they very much 40s eyes their voice and they don't do that with this guy. And yeah. it's like, no, you've got to... There are ways that people sing. And this is not... <laughs> it, you don't have the Josh Groban voice in the 40s. Um, you just... You don't. You don't have the Josh Groban voice in the 40s. That wasn't a thing. And because the, the way that they do it in this scene is Hannah's in her office and she's sewing something. She's either patching something up or what. Mm-hmm. She's just sewing. And they have a person actually there on set standing. And they have him cast in such a light that he's kind of dark. You can mostly just kind of make out a silhouette. Mm-hmm. And he's singing. And it's supposed to, that's supposed to imply that he's the person who's singing over the radio. You know, yeah. he's not actually there. But that's what she's listening to over the radio. And then she's dancing with the IV stand, and Sammy comes in, and, oh, your dance partner's a little stiff. Ha 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 ha. Hannah is like, why aren't you at the dance with the others? He's like, well, I was on my way. He popped down. He, he I was on my way, but I thought I'd stop by and say hi, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He plops down and starts talking to Hannah, asking if she thinks enlisting is a good idea. She says yes, and uh, the two start to talk a bit. Sam says that his mother died giving birth to him, which is somehow his fault. And because he, he's kind of grieving because like he's he wants to enlist, but my father thinks it's a bad idea, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. And then he talks about, you know, just like all my ideas, my father always thinks that what I want to do is bad. Yeah. You know? And then that's when he reveals that his mother died during childbirth and that's somehow his fault, too. And mm-hmm. he's always lived with this feeling that he's just a disappointment to his father because, mm-hmm. you know, and that uh, it's really hard. That's and this really hard. the seeds for me to say. Fuck you, move or fuck you, play. Yeah, that's really hard. Uh, Hannah and Sammy start dancing in her office, and the two of them do some face touching. 
I'm sure their budding relationship will end well. Especially because we totally saw Hannah at the very beginning with old Sammy. So we know that uh, they're going to have a happy, long, wonderful relationship. <laughs> Anyways, at the dance, it's a shindig. It's a swinging shindig, and everyone seems to be having a good time. Frankie and Kay are dancing, and we see that Kay had folded her questionnaire up into a flower, which she has in her hair. Frankie says that he wiped his ass with his. And it was funny because he sees the flower. Oh, nice flower. And he's like, wait. Is that your questionnaire? She's like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's way better than what I did with mine. Yeah. She's like, what did you do? Let's just say I put it behind me. Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. And then she laughs, you know. And uh, Sammy thanks everybody for coming to the first and hopefully not annual Heart Mountain Dance. Frankie steals Sammy's thunder and turns the event into a comedy show. He's making fun of their guy in Washington, the Jackal. Who being like, give us your poor, your sick, your house, your money, and we'll send you to paradise where the rent is free, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's really uh, mocking Mike a lot. Yeah. Uh, he makes some other jokes like, why are Asian students so good at math? They spend time at concentration camp. Ha 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 ha. The comedy show goes back into the dance party and concludes with Sammy putting his foot down, being like, hey, that jackal guy made it possible for us to serve. You mean to volunteer to die, Frankie retorts. I won't volunteer after they'd locked up my parents. Sammy calls Frankie a coward and says he should have been locked up with his parents. Frankie and Sammy go to blows uh, very briefly and are quickly broken up by the crowd. Kay says that it's almost curfew and that the group and then the group disbands. Kay goes to run to her brother and Frankie is like, you're not his mother. I raised him from birth. If I'm not his mother, then who is, replies Kay. Mm -hmm. Frankie tells Kay that she's so much more than someone's mother or daughter or granddaughter. She's so much more. And then he walks away. Kay is like, good night, Frankie. And then says it all sad. And then she starts to sing about how she was a little girl who had to grow up too fast because her mother died. And she had to, a little brother to take care of and a father to look after. And mm -hmm. she sings about flying and soaring and not letting life pass her by. Yeah. Um, and it's really sad because that mm -hmm. sucks to be in that situation where as a child you're forced to grow up. Yeah. Uh, it's, so, yeah, I don't, I don't envy that uh after Kay's song we go back to the men in line handing in their questionnaire and the jackal guy is like this questionnaire has blown up in our faces and the politician is like it's fine we have our all japanese unit now go fight the germans and let us worry about domestic security sammy's father is hand so the way they do this scene is that like i mentioned before they'll using lighting in the different panels they'll mm -hmm. represent different scenes that take place you know in different parts of the country so you have Mike and the politician dude in, on the right side talking, and it's well lit, looks kind of mm. like an office. And then you have the the dark, grungy, sad-looking environment of the the men in line handing in their questionnaires to the soldier. Mm -hmm. And Sammy, uh, Sammy's father is handing in his questionnaire, and the guard looks at it and is like, Are you sure? You sure you want to answer it this way? And he's like, I do. And the soldiers come to take him away to the labor camp. Kay and Sammy plead to the guard, who is like, I have orders. The family bids a tearful goodbye to the father, and Sammy is like, I have to serve. If we prove we're loyal, they'll let Pop go. Kay is against Sammy serving, but the grandfather is like, a man will do what he must. Mm -hmm. And we see Sammy enlisting in the army. 
Yeah, he said a boy listens to his father, but a man does not. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then he, he does say, like, you know, you will do what you need to mm-hmm. kind of thing. And um, the groups basically get split between those staying in Heart Mountain, those going to fight, and those being sent to the labor camp. And those resist the resistances at Heart Mountain. Yeah, and well, I, I kind of lump oh. that in with the people staying at Heart Mountain mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because the women, the women don't have the choice to enlist. Yeah. They're just stuck there. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, so men are leaving. The people who said, no, I will not do, you know, I will not swear undying loyalty to America. They're mm-hmm. the ones who get shipped off to the labor camp. Yeah. Uh, we see Sammy and Hannah kissing each other goodbye and Frankie and Kay kissing each other goodbye. The song ends the first act, and that's the resist song that Kay was yeah. mentioning. The other Kay was mentioning at the beginning <laughs> of our review, because they're talking about, and it's resisting different ways. Like the the people who are enlisting, they're resisting by by fighting, you know. Yeah. And then you get the other people who are resisting by not giving in to mm-hmm. tyrannical America who's oppressing them and and yeah. stuff like that. So it's it's the show is trying really hard to cover a lot of different perspectives. It does. Which I, I mean, that's, that's fine. Like Mm -hmm. to show that there's a deeper subtext going on between all these different Japanese Americans and how they view the situation going on. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it gets a little, it kind of trips over itself a bit. Uh, Act two opens up with Mike typing with, uh, with Mike typing up a report. The Japanese American 442nd unit is in Italy fighting and kicking ass. Sammy is a badass motherfucker, apparently, and we see Kay reading the letter to her grandfather and being all proud. Mm-hmm. However, uh, we then see her talking to Frankie and being like, I have a letter from Sammy, but it's all censored and shit. At least I know he's okay. So I think, okay, so what it is is she's first reading the report typed up by Mike, who's talking about how well the unit is doing, and then she gets a personal letter from her brother, and he's like, oh, and it's all censored. He's like, basically, we are censored. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to, we are set and censored, da 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 So yeah. all she knows is that, well, he's alive. Yep. Frankie shows Kay his uh, draft notification, and Kay is like, you can't resist the draft. They'll throw you in prison. This is prison! Frankie replies, I won't go! Yeah. And there's a little bit of stuff with that. Uh, so, from Abe... Frankie is revealed in Act 2 as a stand-in for the real-life Frank Emmy, one of the leaders of the Heart Mountain Fair Play Committee, but where conscience represents the, or presents the resistance for what it was, a studied act of civil, be- civil disobedience, allegiance incongruous- incongruously recasts the resistors as the, op- as the oppressed, fist-raised revolutionaries from Les Miserables. Uh, and how they talk about they were burning their draft cards, and he said, no, that was only in Berkeley in the 60s. That did not happen at the 40s in Heart Mountain. They did not burn draft cards. And they wouldn't get hung for treason. They would go to prison for five years. And then a lot of them ended up getting pardoned after the war. Well, there's that. Mm-hmm. Sammy is sort of a hero, and we see the Mike that Mike's uh, brother being like, this is the badass who saved my life. Sammy is thanked and asked if he wants to give a statement to the press. 
And this is, they're over in, in Italy doing, mm-hmm. you know, when this is going on. Sammy gives the generic placating, we are patriots doing what is right for our country speech, because he knows what he needs to say. The politician ass clown uh, and the jackal guy are like, what do you think about the draft dodgers at Heart Mountain uh, being led by Frankie? Sammy is like, they're cowards and traitors and should be punished. Damn, Sammy, that's harsh. Mm-hmm. We see Sammy's dad being let out of the stockades and being shown that Sammy is on the cover of Time magazine, and his father is very proud of his son. Kay is trying to hide Frankie from the MPs who are looking for the draft dodgers, and Frankie is like, no, I will face them. And then he tries to be like, if they execute me for treason, I am happy I met you. And the two of them sing a, this is not over, we are not over, you are my future, not my past song. Mm-hmm and conclude it with some face touching. The MPs catch up to them, because, of course, they stopped to do a song and dance number, so of course they caught up to them, Mm -hmm. uh, and arrest Frankie at gunpoint and haul him off. Kay is on the floor and singing a sad song where she asks, what is is she supposed to do now? Then she gets pissed and is like, it's time to do or die. So Mm -hmm. her song starts with like, what do I do now? And she's like really sad, and then she's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to... I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it. Like, she's, that's kind of. And more about Abe. He does say that Heart Mountain did not have a stockade. Well, the father went to the labor camp. But that's also where they put Frankie. Oh, gotcha, Is in a stockade. And he's like, they didn't have one. And he says, uh, it's laughable nonsense as if the camps were not run by Dylan Meyer and the WRA, but by Hermann Goring and the, the Luftwaffe. No firearms were used inside the perimeter. The resistance was open and above board. Its meetings open to the public. No one had to run or hide. Leaders of the Fair Play Committee were taken quietly into custody at their family barracks by federal marshals who came at dawn. The resistors knew that they risked five years in prison for bucking the draft, but violating the Selective Service Act was never a capital crime, never treason. No resistance leader at Heart Mountain was beaten bloody or hunted by guards like an inmate escaping Stalag 17. Yep. So um, more dramatization and people will pick that shit apart and say that none of it happened. You know, this is why you be careful. <laughs> I I mean, it was not a good thing at all to no. to be rounding up the Japanese Americans and putting them in this camp. However, I am glad that it was not as bad it, as they're portraying here, but I know that it was, it was different. Yeah, it, it was, was still really... Thule Lake, totally different story. That shit was terrible at Thule Lake, which is why they should have just... <sighs> it, it Again, because I've been having arguments with people about slavery being bad, I'm like, okay, if you're going to do anything that has to do with an oppressed minority, you need to focus with fact. Because that, because people will pick it apart. They will find the one thing to invalidate the whole thing. Pull on that one loose thread Mm -hmm. to try and unravel everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So after Kay's empowerment song, the scene changes to the stockade and we see the guards beating the shit out of Frankie. The women in the camp are like, their trial is in a few weeks. We have to do something. Let's write letters to every newspaper in the country saying that these people are not traitors. Hannah chews out a soldier who is like, I need bandages. Frankie won't keep his mouth shut no matter how much we beat the shit out of him. Hannah is like, this is not what we signed up for. Bring him here now. 
Kay and the others are frantically typing up letters and are like, we need to smuggle these out. Maybe we can bribe a guard or two. If we can't, uh, if we can't, we'll go out in a blaze of glory kind mm-hmm. of thing. She's basically like, she has the tone of like, if we can't get these letters out to try and get them to the press, yeah. then we'll, I guess, fight. Like, it's it's unclear. It's kind of just uh, mm-hmm. vaguely suggested. We then see Kay in the nurse's office for morning sickness. She asks Hannah to please not tell anyone, and Hannah asks if Frankie knows. Kay says no, Frankie doesn't know, and Hannah tells Kay to be calm, because Frankie has been hurt, like, really bad. Kay starts to panic and is like, I have to help him, I have to help him. Hannah is like, you can't do shit, you have a child to look after, I'll help get Frankie out. And uh, the two sing about how they're women who will move mountains in the middle of a war. Mm-hmm. And they're stronger than they were before. Hannah says she'll say that Frankie needs to be transferred to a hospital outside of the camp. And then from there, she'll have him smuggled to her parents' house in Oklahoma. Kay is like, you'll go to prison. And she's like, I know. Soldier asshole brings in Frankie, who's all beaten up. Mm-hmm. Kay, goes to, Kay goes to him, and the soldier is like, get away from the prisoner! And pushes Kay. Frankie seizes the opportunity and attacks the soldier, who draws his sidearm. And the two struggle, all while Hannah is yelling, Stand down! Stand down! The struggle results in the gun going off and Hannah catching one right in the chest. Yep. And And Hannah falls to the floor, dead. Yep. And this is Abe on that scene. Audiences gasp, it's a showstopper, but for the wrong reasons. This is no longer historical fiction, like a story you've never heard. It's a story that could never have possibly happened. The manslaughter of a white nurse at Hart Mountain and the court-martial of a white MP would have rocked the course of history. Did they say that he got court-martialed? Cause well, I thought they that's had... what would have happened. Okay. And the World War II of Allegiance exists in an alternate universe. Science fiction as told by Philip K. Dick. Hmm. Because that would have probably caused some things to change. Because <laughs> yeah. that would have... I mean, you have a white woman die anywhere. That would <laughs> That was mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't know the power of white woman tears. <sighs> The scene changes to the 442nd in Italy. Sammy's arguing with his platoon about a suicide mission. Sammy is like, we're going in at 0500 and dismisses everyone. Sammy and uh, Mike's brother, who mm-hmm. I, Ben, was his name Ben? Yes. Uh, ben talk and Sammy is like, I have this girl back home. And if anything happens, I want you to find her. We see Hannah's ghost in the background being all yep. ominous and shit. Uh, and we see the 442nd going on their suicide mission, and they get decimated in a huge firefight. Mm-hmm. We see Sammy get shot and fall to the ground. People come to collect the dog tags, and we see a soldier giving Mike his brother's dog tags. And well, he... Ben gives Mike his own dog oh, tags. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of a symbolic thing of like, here you go, bro. Okay. And Was then it worth it? <laughs> Mike walks away all distraught. So mm-hmm. in that scene, they're talking about that they ha- there's soldiers who have been taken prisoner and they're behind enemy lines and Sammy's mm-hmm. and Sammy's like, we need to go in there and get them. And he's and he's like, on one side of this line they die, on another side, you know, we rescue them. And they're like, this is nuts. You're going to get us all killed if Mm -hmm. we go on this. And he's like, we're going to do it anyway. Yep. Kind of thing. And 
everybody gets decimated. Uh, and this is a real unit, real stuff that happened. Like, they were the unit that was sent for these suicide missions because that was the only way that Americans would accept them as as in, like, the country as a whole, not... And I wouldn't even say it's the the greater country as a whole. It's more the government. Yeah, I, they, government they, I think, as a whole. I really think that they were they were absolutely thrown away. The mm -hmm. government used them in a in oh absolutely a, such a disregarded fashion. Absolutely, they were they're just and that's why I take issue is because there are these real moments, and then they put these things in that then you later find out aren't true at all and it's like and then it makes you question well was this real <gasps> it's like did these people really die on these suicide missions because they were trying to prove their loyalty it's like yeah it's like no you've gotta you've gotta take and i it's why i'm terrified to watch hamilton because you know i took ap u.s history i took u.s history through college and i'm just going oh fuck oh fuck how <laughs> Uh, okay. Continue. Back at Heart Mountain, Kay is reading the same letter from her brother from before and reminiscing about how she taught him how to write. Kay gets a letter from Frankie who is like, Thank you for all the letters you and the others wrote. Because of that, it sounds like we will get released early and may even get a full pardon. Frankie then proposes to Kay via letter. And Kay is super happy, telling the, others in, uh, telling the other camp prisoners about it, including her grandfather. The ladies all exit off stage, and we see Grandfather have a heart attack and die in his vegetable garden. Mm -hmm. uh, we then see him pass into the great beyond, and we hear the message that the Enola Gay dropped a bomb on Japan, and we see some interesting lighting effects and hear a single explosion to signify the atomic bomb. It was that was so cool. that was that's one of the things I'm talking about, like the way that they do mm -hmm. sound and lighting mm -hmm. and stuff in this show. They it's really good. Uh, but this scene, I was bummed to see the grandfather die, but at the same time, it's like, well, he's he's old as shit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he was like bending over to grab something in his garden and, oh, has a heart attack. And then you see, like, the way that George Takai did it was, was really interesting because you see him fall over and then he just kind of gets up and he has this big smile on his face and it's supposed to represent, like, his spirit leaving his body and being at peace, you know, and he mm -hmm. puts his hands together in, like, a prayer gesture and you see the lighting change and you hear some traditional uh kind of japanese spiritual music and you see him, the lighting change you see him turn you know and kind of just walk off it's just symbolizing mm -hmm. him i guess going to heaven or just yeah. whatever whatever you yeah. want to look into uh but then the the way that they did the atomic bomb stuff was really interesting because you have the people who were dancing in the background i don't know if they were supposed to be japanese imperial citizens or i'm if, not sure because yeah, i'm not sure what they were trying to do there because you do see people doing this kind of not jerky dance i don't know how to explain it mm -hmm. but uh they're dancing and then you get these light effects and then this big huge explosion and mm -hmm. then everything goes dark and the light effects at one point they're all standing facing the audience and the lighting they're projecting the mushroom cloud onto all of their bodies i did not notice that. yes they were projecting that mushroom cloud and then right after oh. they finish, that's the the big flash, and then it goes dark. Okay, I think I think what it was is uh, I. And the more I think about it, I did see that, but mm -hmm. my brain interpreted it as like dust. Yeah, but, yeah, no, the mushroom cloud. It was that the makes, mushroom cloud. That makes and sense. That scene was the scene that made me go. Uh, this could have been. They could have 
Because that scene was one of the most powerful in the whole damn show. <laughs> and there were so many other scenes that could have been made more powerful. Yeah. So, okay. Some soldiers come <laughs> some soldiers come on stage to sing about how America is victorious and all the Japanese Americans should be proud and hey, you know that whole messy situation about the camps can be forgotten now. Yay, America! Mm -hmm. Water under the prison bridge. We mm. see Sam alive walking with a cane. Sam is on the phone with the army and uh, trying to find out where Hannah is, mm -hmm. but he gets stonewalled and achieves nothing. They're basically like, "Oh, well we can't reveal personnel information yet." He's like, very frustrated because he's trying to find where his his hot blonde nurse is. Because now that mm -hmm. the war is over, they're gonna get married and make some babies. The boomers, ah, uh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I just I sit here and I'm like this that whole scene. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sam gets confronted by Mike and is like, "You're a hero. How do you like DC? Do you want to live here? The JC, the JACL needs a DC community organizer." Sam and the uh, Jackal guy have a bit of an argument. He's called Sam a hero, and Sam doesn't feel like a hero. His platoon got decimated. He lost 800 men trying to save 200. Mm -hmm. Sam says that he tried to look out for Ben. And uh, Mike is like, my brother died a hero and died for a great cause. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Mike is like, we need Japanese Americans. Need, he said, we, meaning Japanese Americans, need you. Then mm -hmm. he grabs Sam's wrist. I need you. And <laughs> Sam is like, my family is in San Francisco. I need to go see them. And it's understood that Sammy will come back to D.C. to take the job once he sees his family. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't he doesn't agree to it, but that's the the subtext. The implication. The implication. We see Kay in San Francisco pushing a stroller, singing uh, to little Hanako, Hannah for short, and they're and now they're so excited that Uncle Sammy is coming home. Sam shows up and is embraced by Kay. It's revealed that Grandpa died in the camp and that and died in his garden, and that was a cute scene too mm -hmm. because uh, uh, Kay tells Sam that grandpa died and she's like oh i'm so sorry that i didn't tell you in my letter but you know i i didn't want to upset you during your recovery and stuff like that mm -hmm. she's like there's so much i wanted to tell you and he's like did he die peacefully he died in his vegetable garden and sam's like just like how he wanted he said yeah you know bury me in my garden so that i can fertilize the mm -hmm. land you know and uh they both laugh about that um and uh, Kay also shows that it reveals that she has a child. And Sam is like, I'm an uncle. Mm -hmm. Kay tells Sammy that their father is not well and that the labor camp was really hard on him, but he's doing better. It seems like he has PTSD of his own kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of what's implied. Yeah. He does kind of walk with a limp, mm -hmm. um, but they don't ever specify exactly what is wrong with him. She just says yeah. he's not well. Uh, everything looks to be a warm looks to be a warm family reunion until Sammy sees Frankie holding the baby and everything clicks for him. Sammy fucking hates Frankie. He calls him a traitor, recounting how he served with people who died and how he hates Frankie. Sammy's father tells him that Frankie is family now and that he's proud to call him son. Sammy gets even more angry since he's always felt like his father didn't love him due mm -hmm. to his mother dying in childbirth. And it gets revealed that Nurse Hannah also died as a result of something that Frankie did, even if it was an accident. Mm -hmm. Sammy storms off telling his father to pretend that his son died in the war. Yep. And he has a line there too because uh, uh, 
the father always wanted Sam to become a lawyer and Frankie is going to law mm-hmm. school or he is a lawyer at this point, something along those yeah. lines. And so he makes the comment, is he the son you always wanted? You know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And that's when he says, just pretend your son died in the war. And yep. Kay runs after Sammy, being like, don't go, stay here, we are your family. And Sammy is like, fuck that, I hate Frankie, he's not my family. The two have a screaming in the face challenge, and Kay calls Sammy, that's what they did, right into yeah, his face, yeah. they're, they're, they're going at it, like, it doesn't ever come to blows or anything, but mm-hmm. they're screaming at each other. And uh, Kay calls Sammy a coward for abandoning his family, and she rips the purple heart metal from his chest and throws it to the ground. Sammy storms off, and we see Kay kneel down and pick up the medal. And I now know what is in the envelope that old Sammy got at the beginning of the show. (laughs) Spoiler, I'm wrong. (laughs) Big folder for a Purple Heart. That's that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, that's a big folder to have a a a medal in. Uh, Sammy has a reprise of his What Makes a Man song, and we see all the ghosts of of the past march around the stage, and we see Sammy age up to old Sammy from the beginning. We see old Sammy arguing with Ghost K again, who is like, I tried to reach out to you over the years, and old Sammy is like, I fought in two more wars, and I was tired of fighting. Ghost K is like, you weren't there when Papa died, and tells uh, old Sammy to open the package. It did not contain the Purple Heart like I thought, but uh, the Time magazine with Sammy on the cover. And on it, written in his father's handwriting, was in Japanese, my hero. And we see old Sammy break down and sob, saying that his father was also his hero, and that he never thanked him for everything that his father sacrificed for his family to provide Mm -hmm. them a a good life. Uh, Ghost K sings about how they wish they could have changed things. Old Sam... Old Sammy apparently old man fugue walked his way to the funeral service for his sister because he then runs into the woman from the beginning who brought him the envelope. She is happy that he came and says that she has something for him. She hands him his purple heart medal and old Sammy is like, where did you get this? From my mother, she replies. And Sammy is like, Hanako? And the two cry and hug all while the ghosts of everyone in the background sing about how... Yeah, he has a second chance. Mm-hmm. And then we get the curtain call. The end. And then Warren turns over and is like, this was heavy. And then I'm just sitting there like, Aah! yeah. When that last part ended, I was get done. I'm like, wow, this was kind of heavy. And then, yeah, Kay's <laughs> Kay was soft. Because Curse of the Witch, mm-hmm. anything I feel goes to you. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say sadness related. Yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, being critical of some of the stuff in it, I feel bad for because it does try to hit on it some does. very uh, serious topic matter. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't feel like that from an art perspective, that should give it a free pass for things. Hell that, no. Yeah. So like... <laughs> I so, agree with Frank Abe on I, this. <laughs> I do too. Um, and the part where like, you know, uh, we have young Sammy and he's, you know, all upset. He's doing the reprise of what makes a man and everything. Mm-hmm. And you have all these all the different people we've seen from the show, like platoon members, both dead and alive, yeah. the politician, you know, people are just coming on stage. And I, I realized that it was a transition thing to mm-hmm. make George Takei come back, you know, yeah. so that it could go back to the, the present time. Mm-hmm. And, but it did make me laugh how like, I'm just picturing you have this old man 
walking to his sister's funeral in this complete fugue state, reliving his yeah. his PTSD, and then he comes out of it because he seems like dazed when he realizes where he is. Yeah. And then his niece is like, oh, you came! And it's like, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there's there's things in this that just don't work. Yeah. And I I want to read one more thing from Abe that I really... I agree with and I like this a lot. Broadway will embrace and defend its own, but Japanese America did not fight. I did not fight to set the record straight through redress and restoration of the resistors, only to have verifiable fact sacrificed for a great curtain call. Oof. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I agree. Because and this is why like I, I I feel so bad for how critical I am of it, but because of having been in that position with my own minority status, having to, like, counter people who saw something in pop culture, whether or not it was written by a black person doesn't matter. Um, but if it's written by a black person, then they lean on it even more, going like, oh, well, this wasn't accurate, so none of it is. Yeah. And it's like that can damage you so much and it can undo so much work that's why i say fuck you candace owens all the time mm-hmm. i i wake up in the morning and that's one of my morning prayers it's like a buddhist thing fuck you candace owens like it it just it's it's like huh you don't i feel like they tried because the story that they seem to have wanted to tell was a romance with this backdrop a little bit like they focused on the romance parts and then they went oh but that's right we have this that we need to do it's like they couldn't find they were trying to find a focus couldn't find a focus so then tried to go outwards with their focus and it just kept zigzagging in and it was jarring how it moved from scene to scene and it was just a little wavy yeah i I, from my perspective i feel like that the main story is trying to be a a man coming to terms with his past Mm -hmm. um you know and and regret and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i and it seems like that the overall moral that might be trying to be expressed is mm-hmm. that it's never too late to make amends. Yeah. Um, all you have to do is is try, kind of. But at the same time, that's a little... Yeah, the because the, that's the thing, too, is like you get the sister who's talking about, I tried reaching out to you over mm-hmm. the years, and you just didn't want to have anything to do with it. So yeah. it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a little bit, too, this guy, Sammy, is kind of haunted by his past. Yeah. Uh, True. It's just that in their veering off of that focus every so often, it kind of fucks with it a little bit. No, like I, it, absolutely. It makes it hard to pick that theme out sometimes, because it's like, okay, well, then I've got to go back on, like, some of the other stuff, and they didn't do a very good... Like, they did an okay job with Sammy reconciling with his past, except for that... They had him experiencing things he wouldn't have known about, and yeah, you don't uh, that's you the, don't do yeah, that. That's, it's it, that that definitely made I, it really disjointed. If it would have been entirely from his perspective, mm-hmm. you know, because you could have done it the same way that they did. Um, some of the other moments were like reading a letter and yeah. having the other person 
talking. You could have done that. You could have done that to get some of the other uh, uh, events that have mm-hmm. happened. But the... hell, you could have done that with his sister constantly trying to reach out to him. Ooh, that, that would have been a better way to do it. That actually probably would have been. And it probably would have been a case of, oh, the whole first act is just in the internment camp and the rest is him reconciling with it if it was truly just Sammy's story. Good point. Like, it's it's just, oh, this could have done with a rewrite. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, like I said, uh, there were elements in it that I really liked. I I thought that the music, I should say the score. The mm-hmm. score was good. Mm-hmm. The acting was great. The dancing, when they did have dancing, was good. Mm-hmm. The sets and lighting was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, everybody, and it, it feels so bad because it, it reminds me of stuff like, uh, you know, Legally Blonde, the mm-hmm. musical, where it's like the talent was so good and yeah. so much work went into it, but it's like it fell short with mm-hmm. the songs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And the story had issues too yeah uh so it's like the two the two things to me you know because we've talked about um because of the way theater is and how it's getting better and more Mm -hmm. is being taped and and able to be watched again but yeah uh if you're not able to go to a live show the next thing is to listen to the soundtrack yeah so if you don't have a soundtrack that's worth listening to on its own Mm -hmm. you don't really have much yeah this is not a soundtrack i would ever really listen to no and i hate saying that because i fucking love leia salonga oh but my god i'm like she, i don't she can fucking sing mm-hmm. holy shit mm-hmm. and that's not to take away from you know sammy's actor yeah. and stuff either but it's just like she's really good mm-hmm. really good and it, like that's the thing though is that because And I've seen that as an argument against, like, bootlegs and stuff as well. You need to have the soundtrack in your imagination. And I'm like, well, if you have the soundtrack standing on its own in this, it's not going to make you want to go see the show. Because you won't... It's so disjointed, you don't know where things are going. You know, I get really annoyed when people are... are, Mm -hmm. When people basically treat my poor ass like it's my fault that Mm -hmm. I can't afford mm-hmm. to go see live theater yep if it was more affordable i would fucking go see live mm-hmm. theater but you know what it's not yeah and right now <laughs> this right here covid is pointing that out so much that like it theater needs to be accessible it it blows my fucking mind art that, needs to be accessible yeah this is like one of the most human fucking things that we do is theater because we are the only primate that sings. We are the only primate that does this type of art. This is totally human, and it should be, like... It should be more accessible and more celebrated, and... uh, I get so frustrated with it, because... It's the human experience, and it is how we process things. Because we are a lyrical species. Even if we don't quote-unquote sing well, we still will just burst out into song on random occasions. Because that's a human trait. (sighs) Okay. Well, I feel like we have credited and Mm -hmm. ripped apart the show (laughs) kind of enough. Do you have anything in closing that you would like to say about it? This show makes me want to check out Frank Abbe's documentary. I think we probably should. Yeah, because I'm just sort of like, I want to see what it was really like now. Mm -hmm. It also makes me a little scared 
because I sit here and go, oh God, what if someone tries to do, because I've been wanting a musical that brings up Black Wall Street and Tulsa or brings up Seneca Village. And then I sit here and go, oh God, but then someone will allegiance it (laughs) and make it super just like this pastiche of genericness and not focus on the actual true stories and oh god <laughs> and so it's it's this catch 22 of i i feel like i feel like they were trying to both sugarcoat and show the brutality of the concentration camps that we had in america for the japanese but it just if they would have focus if they wanted to focus on the brutality they should have set it at Tule Lake just 100% whole things at Tule Lake instead of going to Heart Mountain where like and and throwing Tule Lake stuff into Heart Mountain because again it's just from the mindset of someone who has to argue all the time you take you give them an inch of this was untrue and they'll take a mile. You, you give them a loose thread and they will try and unravel everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's that just uh <sighs> Allegiance could have done so much better. They they did the story dirty a little bit. Yeah. And it pisses me off. Music and like I said, score was good, but songs were mm-hmm. songs were meh. Yeah, songs were, were meh. very meh. They were meh. But uh I will say Torch Decay was great in this. Oh, yeah. I, no, I love Decay. <sighs> What's our next show, Kay? It, I I don't have the rap written yet, but uh, huh. yeah, <laughs> so we are actually skipping a week because I need to take time to write and rehearse this rap. <laughs> and it has been a long time since I have done any rapping, so we Our will be... Our uh, episode is Hamilton. Yes, we are covering Hamilton. So this one will be a little interesting because I have listened mm-hmm. to... The, we both have. Yeah, we both have. We both mm-hmm. listened to the cast uh, recording of Hamilton when it first got really popular, I was like, oh, I want to, you know, because I was, was it, bef- it was before we started our show. Yes, it was way before we started our show. It was when uh, Cookie was living with us. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and I, I just was hearing about the show and stuff like that. So I wanted to listen to it and I listened to it at work mm-hmm. and uh, enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So I, I have been looking forward I to Hamilton. I made the mistake of listening to it when I was recovering from knee surgery and was already in a bad emotional state. Oh, <laughs> so now that, that I'm in a better emotional state, I'm sure I'll handle the show a lot. Better. Hey, and I'm just excited that we get to have another episode where you're going to sing. Yeah, I'm hoping that I don't fucking butcher what I'm going to try to do. So fingers crossed. Well, you've got, you got an extra week. I've got ne- I'm giving myself an extra week. <laughs> it's like giving myself a whole month before February. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm like, I'm going to do this right. You did great. Mm, Thank you. So we'll see. So uh, after, so like I said, we're skipping a week. So no show on June 30th. Or is that, is that the Wednesday? Uh, Uh, Yeah. Oh, no. No show on June 1st. July 1st. July 1st. (laughs) No show on July 1st, but then we will be back July 8th with our episode about Hamilton.
Yay! Woo! So thank you all so much for listening to this rant-filled, uh, historically mm-hmm. inaccurate episode of Tone Deaf. Yes, uh, uh, this episode <laughs> will be uh, subtitled The Importance of a Dramaturge. There you go. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, if you want to reach out to Kay and I, you can check our home base, which is tonedeafmusical.com. Mm-hmm. We have links to our uh, social medias, our discords, our Instagrams, our yep. Facebooks, as well as the Cast Junkie Discord server, where we yes. have our own Not Safe for Work channel. And you can come and talk about theater or completely unrelated things thank you guys for all of your support all of your uh listening uh again throughout this week up until the 26th uh support other black shows um like after you've supported after you've supported ours or even before you've supported ours but you've you're listening to it now so after you've supported ours uh be sure to check out other amazing shows uh like i i would say my big recommendation right now, Black History Buff. Black History Please Buff. Please, God, listen to fantastic. that. It's so good. If you want some... That's so good. If you want some uh, some some fantasy to take your mind off of current events, there's uh, Ninth World Journal by mm-hmm. David S. Deer. It's so good. That one... Mm, that one's delightful. Uh, you've got Whichever Path. Whichever which, Path also. Yes. Which they delve a little... They, they have uh, more current event-related things mixed with the supernatural because mm, with their current story now well, at least well and some of the other ones mm-hmm. you know sometimes they deal with racists and shit y'all like that. should check out colic though that one's my favorite of their stories really it's good. so good i love it um also my new favorite listen is black millennial women you were talking uh, bmw is so good it's so damn funny like the conversations that they were having um However, if you haven't seen Insecure yet, which I have not because I don't have HBO, uh, they do spoil that sometimes, so I know some plot twists coming up, but I'm like, oh, well, I'll probably forget this by the time that I get to this season in Insecure. (laughs) We've also got uh, conversation podcasts that deal with uh, black culture and society in general with... uh, uh, the black guy who tips, the cut, and mm-hmm. those guys over there, mm-hmm. and black girls do stuff. And black too. girls do stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Book of Lies. Yes, ah, Book of Lies. I love them. Um, and we've got Autumn the Aries, which I haven't had you listen to yet, but that's this is the first I'm hearing of it. Um, well, she's the one who uh, was part of the Chocolate Eclair conversation. <laughs> 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 that you know, it, it, yeah. I, l- I like her show a lot too. Um, there's so just, many great there's shows. So many out good there. shows. Grand scheme of things is Grand Scheme of Things is a really good uh, relationship podcast. You and I listened to a couple of episodes <laughs> oh, of theirs. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that one I highly recommend. So just a lot of black shows that you can go out and support. Uh, good challenge. Do at least five. Support at least five this week. You know, but you can do more. I go. we already gave you some more. There you go. We're one of the five, but also don't count us as one of the five so that you support five other podcasts. <laughs> Do six. <laughs> Giving you that challenge. We gave you some already. So, anyway. Want a little sign off for today? Black Lives Matter. Every day. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Deaf. Give it someone to block